Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Making room for the man of God. Making room for the man of God. 2 Kings chapter 4. I have a lot of scripture tonight. I have a whole lot of scriptures tonight because I'm talking about the man of God. And the man of God also happens to be my father. So instead of me just saying a lot of opinion and me just saying a lot of things that I could say from my heart or from my mind, I don't want it to be the pastor's son speaking tonight, but I want it to be God's word that ministers to us tonight. Second Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 17. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman And she constrained him to eat bread, and so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God. I think, I perceive, I believe that this is a holy man of God who passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber. Everybody say chamber. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, or I ask of you. Can we make a chamber on the wall and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick? And it shall be when he comes to us that he shall turn in thither or turn in here. And it fell on a day that he came thither, that the man of God came to their house and he turned into the chamber And then he laid there, and he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said unto him, Say say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. You've cared after us. You've been careful to take care of us. What What is to be done for you? So you've taken care of us. Now let me, let the Holy Ghost, take care of you. Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child. And her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he called her, she stood in the door, and he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my lord, no, sir, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaiden. So she said, Whoa, preacher, don't don't lie to me. Don't tell me something's going to happen when it physically can't happen. Don't lie to me. According to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my lord, thou... Man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaiden. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. According to the time of life. This lady could have never, ever, ever received a miracle of the Lord. She could have never had a son if she did not make room for the man of God in her life. 
She said, I perceive this man to be a man of God. I don't know him. I can't say one way or the other. But my perception is that he seems to carry himself like a man of God. He seems to operate like a man of God. And if he has that appearance, I'm going to honor that man as my man of God. And any time that man of God comes through here, anytime he comes through my city, he comes through my village, down my road, he's going to have a place to come and lay his head. He's going to have a place where he can rest. He's going to have a place where he is safe. I think that's a good illustration and that's a good lesson. That's a good principle for us to apply to our life. Our man of God has a house. He doesn't have to come live with us, thankfully. The man of God is my dad, and he's not going to come live with me. So y'all don't have to worry about that. I tell him when he gets old, he just better be nice to me, and that he better pray that I pick a nice nursing home for him. But he's going to be taken care of. I'm going to make room for him, but it just might not be in my house. But the reality is, is this woman made room in her spirit for the man of God. I think that's a good principle for you and I, for our families to adopt, to apply to our life, that the man of God has room in our life. He has honor in our life. He has respect in our life, not as a man, but as God's voice, God's sovereign authority in our life. He, he is the man of God for our life. There's, there, there's really two main ways that you and I will ever hear the word of the Lord. That is through the Bible, God's written word, and that is through the man of God that God has placed in our life. If our pastor preaches it, we should submit to it. If our pastor says it, we should believe it as it is gospel. Trust me, there's things that I don't understand sometimes. I scratch my head. There's sometimes that I have to do things that I don't like to do. And it's compounded because pastor's also dad. So it's really hard. But I have learned and I'm still learning the lesson that when I just be obedient to, to the voice of God in my life, that obedience is always better than sacrifice. When, I can, when my spirit can be so in tune with God's spirit that when the man of God preaches something that might step on my toes and something that I might not like and something that I might not agree with and something that I just want to get up and leave during the middle of the preaching, but when that time comes, when that, when that rises up in me, I must realize that that is not God's spirit in me, but that is a spirit of confusion. That is a spirit that is not of unity. For if I cannot be in submission to the man of God who I see, how can I ever be in submission to the God of my man of God who I cannot see? The voice of God comes through our pastor. Whatever our pastor says, I want to be in submission to. If it's something super deep and spiritual or if it's something so simple and physical like just being here 30 minutes early for church to pray. I want to obey the word of the Lord that comes through my pastor. You see, I thank God for my pastor. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for my pastor. I'm thankful that I have a watchman on the wall who is overseer of my soul. I'm thankful that God has blessed me with a man who watches out for me. He doesn't watch out for my preferences. He doesn't watch out for what I want and what I like. He doesn't watch out for my emotions, but he watches out for my soul. 
so many times, I don't know about you, but I can only speak for me, so many times I, I live and I operate off of the impulse of my emotion. Has anybody ever bought something off of impulse, off of emotion? Some of you probably dated someone in your past off of impulse, off of, re- off of emotion. Some of you probably took a job off of impulse and off of emotion. And, and, and the first day there, you realized, hey, this is not right. This is not right. And you had to make adjustments really quickly to realize that sometimes we can act off of impulse. I don't want to act off of impulse where my man of God is concerned. I want to be submitted to him because he is watching out for my soul. He cares enough for me to make his own personal sacrifices so that I can know what the word of the Lord says. If he loves me enough to sacrifice for me, I want to love God enough and love the man of God enough to be obedient to the voice and the word of the Lord in my life. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15 says, And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Shepherds, un- I will give you shepherds according to my heart. According to my heart. You see, I look, a lot of times I look at Brother Smith as dad. That's my carnal eyes. And you look at him as friend. You look at him as a respected leader. You look at him as a man who has purpose and vision in life. That's, that's, how we, that's how we perceive him in the natural, with the physical eyes. But in the spiritual eyes, in the spiritual realm, in, in the spiritual realm, we know there is a spiritual realm because there's light and darkness. There has to be opposites. There has to be for this whole society, this whole, uh, this whole ecosystem of creation that God has created. When, when, when we look at it through our spiritual eyes, we must recognize that Brother Smith is a shepherd according to God's heart. And when we listen to the sermons that pastor preaches, we are not listening to the thoughts of man. We're listening to thoughts inspired by God. We're listening to rules. We're listening to principles that are inspired by God. God's spoken word and God's written word. And I'm thankful for that. Pastor Smith has been a source of strength for me. And I'm sure we can all, if I was to give you a mic and we were to pass it around the room, we could all say that he has been a source of strength, encouragement, motivation, sometimes a kick in the pants, to get us on the right track. He has been that for us. However, his influence is equal only to my willingness to allow it to affect my life. His influence, he can only be pastor if I let him. He is my dad because... I am the fruit of his loins. I came from him. I am. I am a smith. I have his DNA. I can't choose that. But I can choose for him to be my pastor. Some of us, a lot of times we say, we say that we go to a church, but we don't have a pastor. We have a preacher. There is a difference between a preacher and a pastor. We need preaching. It's by the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But it is a pastor. It is a shepherd who's willing to leave the 99 sheep 
and the flock and go after the one sheep that we've all been at times. You've been the one and I've been the one. And he's, he, he's been willing to risk his own, his, his own, his own safety, his, his own mental toughness, his, his own security to go and find us. To go and find us where we are, whether it be a physical, a bad, a bad place physical, a bad place in our marriage, a bad place in our finances. And he is willing to walk with us hand in hand and lead us back to where we should be. That takes a man of God. That takes love. That takes a man of integrity who's willing to lay his personal self aside for the greater good of the body in Christ. And that's what we have as a pastor But he is only that if we allow him to be that. He's only that if if we're willing for him to be our pastor. See, I can call him pastor, but until he speaks into my life, he challenges me, and I submit to what he says. He's not my pastor until I submit. I can listen to three sermons a week for a lifetime, and he never be my pastor. It's important that we have a pastor in our life. And if you attend this church, if you are here tonight, uh, I pray that you not only view Brother Smith not only as a preacher, and he is a preacher, he's a great preacher, but I pray we view him as a pastor of the fivefold ministry. There's prophets, there's evangelists, there's apostles, there's teachers. And there's pastors, the fivefold ministry according to God's word. And we must, we must have a pastor in our life. I'm thankful for my pastor. See, when asked how much authority he had in his church, J.T. Pugh, I think we're all familiar with that name. He's, he's a mighty man. He, he was a mighty man of faith. He's, he's, he's just recently passed away, but he was preached all over the world. One of the most, one of the most uh, well-renowned preachers that's that's ever been, that's ever walked in shoe leather, whenever he was asked about how much authority he had in his church, this is what he said. I have as much authority as people allow me to have. So I ask the question, and you answer it not with a verbal answer and not with your hand, but just answer in your mind tonight, how much authority have you given our pastor? How much authority when he speaks the word of God that offends and that bothers and that hurts and sometimes does not make sense, how much stock will you put in obeying the man of God in our life? Everybody say amen. amen. Woo, everybody take a breath. Got a little heavy, got a little heavy. Some of you were looking down at your toes. Some of you, some of you pulled out your phone and got on Facebook real quick. Got, it got a little thick. You see, it's biblical to submit and to obey. Those are two words that we don't like. Submission and obedience. But I want to talk about that just for, just for a few minutes. It's 8 o'clock and I, I don't intend to be much longer. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. For they watch out for your souls 
And those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief. This is something, this hit me this afternoon when I was preparing for, for, for tonight's lesson. It hit me just like a dump truck just backed up and just dumped a whole load on me. That, and I've never looked at it this way. Maybe you have because you're probably a lot smarter than me and you have a little bit more wisdom and knowledge that, uh, 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 than I have. But when we get to heaven, our pastor is going to give an account for our soul. He's going to speak on behalf of us. We don't have a say, according to God's word. And so when Pastor Smith is up in front of us and our family speaking on our behalf, it's a lot easier to say something positive, right? It's a lot easier to say, Sister Linda, I'm so glad you're here. I love you. You're beautiful. She's one of the sweetest ladies I'll ever know. That's easy to say. It's hard to say, you know that sister, let me tell you about her. That's really hard and awkward to do in public, right? In a public setting on the balconies of heaven, let's make it easy for our pastor to give an account for our soul. Let's not make it hard to where he's in such, the, he's in such an uncomfortable spot where he says, they're a great person, but... You know, we've all, we, uh, 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 we've all been built up with words, and then that conjunction comes along, and it's like somebody just took a samurai sword and just shoo, cut us off with the knees, and we stood there like, like we've seen on the cartoons. You stay there and float for a second, and then, boom, you're down. Let's not do that. Let's make it easy. Let's make it a joy for our pastor to give an account for our soul. Yes, the Choppa family was faithful. The Hobbs family was faithful. The Delana family, they were there. They, uh, they were doing what they knew to do. They were not only faithful to the house of God and the things of God, but they were faithful in spreading your name, the banner of Jesus Christ, to those who had never heard the gospel. That's my plan. That, that's my desire. You see, it's biblical to submit and to obey. And when we are submitted and obedient to the word of God and the man of God, it makes it easy for him to give a joyous account of our soul. There's a balance in all things scriptures. There's a balance to this. See, scripture says wives submit, and the wives don't like that. But the balance to that, that's balanced by husbands Love your wives as you, as you yourself love Christ and as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. Children, honor thy father and mother is what, is what we love to harp on. I, 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 I've got three under three, and I already love that. I love saying that. I'm sure you loved it too when, you, when your kids were young and at home. But that is balanced by, that is balanced by provoke not your children to wrath. See, my children have the responsibility, the biblical principle, the biblical mandate to honor myself and their mother. But I, in return, have the biblical, man, the biblical mandate and principle to provoke them not to wrath and to anger. And when I do provoke them, when I, when I do fail to my humanity, my flesh, I must be able to humble myself and I haven't got there yet. I'm sure some of you have had to do this. You've had to approach your children and apologize to them for a mistake that you've made. And I'm sure that's probably one of the hardest things that you've had to do. And I'll have to experience that one day. But it's a two-sided coin. If we want our children to love and respect us and honor us 
and love the man of God and love the house of God, it's our responsibility to teach them to love the things of God and the house of God and the man of God. We can't provoke, I'm going to change the word wrath, we can't provoke our children to sin and then get mad. We can't provoke them to be unfaithful to the house of God and then get mad because we never brought them to the house of God. It is our responsibility to want them to live a faithful life to the things of God. And so we, in return, must teach them how to be faithful. Looking back over my childhood, one of the, one, one of the greatest memories, spiritual memories that, uh, uh, memories that I have of, of my parents is that of sacrifice. We've told the story many times before my parents moved into the house that they lived in. There was an evangelist that came through my dad gave a lot of money to. The Lord spoke to him in a Sunday night service, um, and the Lord said, give all your down payment for your house. And dad did it, and oh, we were angry. I was 12 years old. I was ticked off. I was tired of living in, I was tired of living in rent houses. I was tired of living in little houses. I wanted a nice house like all my friends had. I was embarrassed. I didn't want friends to come to my house. I, 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 I just didn't want that to happen. And God and dad was obedient to the word of God. And because of that, the Lord opened up the windows of heaven on my family. And we closed on that house the same week with more money than we had originally to begin with. That's a great testimony. That's a lesson that I learned that my parents taught me. They didn't teach me, son, you be faithful. They didn't tell me. They did it. They didn't say, you listen to what the Lord says, and when the Lord says something, you do it. And then they just sit back and not do nothing. No, they spoke with their actions. And I want to be that type of person. I want my life to be the loudest sermon that I ever preach. I want the 24 hours in the day that I live, that I sleep, that I talk, that I eat, my hobbies, my thoughts, my motives, and my desires. I want that to be the loudest message that I ever preach. See, obey them that have rule over you is balanced by he that will be great will be your servant. There's also the first shall be last, the last shall be first. It's all balanced out in the scripture. See, the balance of scripture doesn't mean that we don't have to obey our portion of scripture if the other party doesn't obey theirs. Well, my pastor is just not praying like he should, and he's not preaching like he should, so I'm going to go live my life how I want to live it. No, we still have the duty to not just hear the word of the Lord from our pastor. We have the duty to live the word of the Lord based off of God's word. One person's wrong does not make it okay for us to do wrong. We teach our children two wrongs do not make a right. So we must apply that to the spiritual realm. When someone does us wrong, that does not give us a license to sin. That does not give us a license to gossip. That does not give us a license to be bitter. That does not give us a license to do this or to do that. But that gives us a license to be yet even more faithful to what we know to do. For him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is it, that you don't have to do bad to sin. You just have to not do good. Well, I didn't go to church. I didn't do wrong. I, I could have been at the club. I, 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 I could have been at the bar playing pool. I, I, you know, instead of going to Vegas on vacation and playing all the slot machines, you know, I could have gone there. I, I didn't do that. No, 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 no. No. 
if we know to do good and don't do it, to him it is sin. It's not what we do that's sin. So many times it's what we don't do that makes us sin. And I want my life to be pure. More than ever before, I want my life to be holy. I want my life to align line upon line, precept upon precept to God's word. There should be nothing more important to us as Christians than our life be a mirror of God's word. After all, we were made in God's image. Our physical man is made in God's image. When Jesus robed himself in flesh and came to this earth, he did not look different than we do. He had two arms. He had two feet. He had two legs. He had two eyes. He had one nose. He had two cheeks. He had a forehead. He had teeth. Now, all of our foreheads and all of our teeth are shaped differently, and sometimes we want to transplant our nose and forehead with somebody else's, and I wish I had that person's teeth, and I, you know... But we have to realize that we are made in God's image. And if God made my physical body in his image, how much more should I want my spirit man to be in his image? In his image tonight. Ezekiel chapter 12, two verses. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house which has eyes to see but does, but does not see, and ears to hear but does not hear. For they are a rebellious house. A rebellious house. I want to be not only a hearer of the word, but when the word of the Lord goes in my ears, I want it to go into my heart. I don't want it just to go in my ears and bounce around in my mind and then just bounce out the other ear. I want to apply the word of the Lord to my heart and to my life. And I want to be a doer of the word of the Lord. And not just of my heart, because Scripture says that my heart is deceitfully wicked. Our heart is the most wicked thing that has ever been. It's not enough that it just be applied to our mind and without our heart, or our heart without our mind. We must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We must allow God's word that our pastor preaches to renew us daily. 1 Samuel chapter 15, I told you I had a lot of scriptures. 1 Samuel 15 verse 22. So Samuel said, has, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed the fat of rams. I want to be obedient. I don't want to be obedient just in word, but I want to be obedient in action. When pastor says, hey, men, we're going to have a prayer meeting on this date, on this Saturday morning, I want to be there. If my schedule permits, if I don't have to be somewhere else, chances are on a Saturday morning at 8.30, the only place that I want to be in my schedule is allowing me to be or dictating me to be is my head on the pillow. But I must get up off of that pillow and I must find myself in the house of the Lord. Why? Because for me to be obedient, my heart to be obedient, I want to be obedient to the things of God. Because when, when my pastor gives an account for my soul, I want it to be a joyous account. God chose preachers and he chose preaching. Everybody say preachers. Preachers and preaching. Y'all must have had decaf coffee because y'all are looking real sleepy right now. Or it was more water than coffee, one or the other. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That means, I don't have any biblical backing for this, but just, just if, if I was going to write a biblical commentary for this scripture, what I would say, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. When I'm sitting in church and I feel like the message the pastor is preaching is dumb and does not apply to me, it might mean that I am lost. It might mean that God's spirit is not living in me. For God's spirit to live in me, the foolishness of preaching, the foolishness of Calvary, is not, it's not going to be dumb to me. The word of the Lord that pastor preaches, the items of separation and holiness that pastor preaches from God's word, not from a list of rules, not from a denomination, but that is found in God's word. I must apply them to my life. And I must not look at them as foolish, for when I look at the things of God as foolish, I am really saying that God is foolish. I'm really saying that he messed up when he inspired these men, these prophets, these apostles to write the book. What I'm saying is that the Bible is not divinely inspired by God when I think that it's foolishness for a woman to dress like a woman and a man to dress like a man. I know I've stepped off in a little bit here, but that's the reality. If we think God's word and and God's principles are foolish, then the spirit of God must not be in us. Let me move on. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Everybody say prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the dispute of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God and the world through the wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The foolishness of preaching saves those who have the faith to believe that even though it might not make sense to me, even though it might not be logical, I'm going to believe the preached word of the Lord and I'm going to believe the written word of the Lord found in the Bible. I'm going to believe that. And when I believe that, when I hear that word preached, even though it might be dumb, I will be saved. Because I have faith that this is the true word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It is a preacher that allows us to hear the word of God. It is a preacher who preaches us to an altar of conviction. It is a pastor who preaches us to the altar of conviction where God's spirit can come and live in our life. It's God's, it's God's man that preaches to me that allows me to believe, that unlocks the inner man, the spirit man, to recognize the things of God. See, Paul commanded Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince people, rebuke people, exhort people with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, not parables, but fables. But, but you be watchful in all things. Everybody say all things. In all things, be watchful. Endure afflictions. Everybody say afflictions. Ouch, that's not easy. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. I know that this is the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, he, who, who Timothy was yet, uh, uh, Timothy was Paul's son in the gospel, if you will. It was, it was Saul's, um, Saul's junior, the junior man of God. I know that's really, it sounds really disrespectful, but it's kind of, it, it was a father and a son in the gospel. Paul was the mentor is probably the most appropriate way to say it. He was saying, you will be afflicted, you will be challenged, but regardless of what comes your way, do the work of the evangelist. Do the work of what God has given you to do. Fulfill your ministry. We can substitute that word evangelist for do the work of a Sunday school teacher. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your purpose. Fulfill your calling. Whatever it is that you have been called to do, whatever the purpose in life is that God has given you, fulfill that ministry. Don't let anybody be better than you. You be the best. You be the most passionate. You be the most uh, 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 filled with the most zeal and vigor. You be here and you do it not unto man and not unto yourself, but you do it unto the Lord. I'm going to fulfill my God-given purpose. God has called me to preach. God has called me to lead. I'm young. I don't know a lot, but I am doing my best to fulfill that purpose in life. I'm studying, I'm reading day and night. My wife gets mad at me because I'm on the computer late at night in the bed and the room is glowing blue because I'm studying, because I'm reading. I'm always trying to put something in because whatever I put in will come out. I can put a lot of Hollywood in and a lot of Hollywood will come out. I can put a lot of Nashville country music in and a lot of country, uh, 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 a lot of divorce, a lot of beer drinking, a uh, a lot of dog losing. All that stuff will happen. All that stuff will happen. Or I can put the things of God in my life. And those things will bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Some of us aren't bearing the fruit of the Spirit because we aren't partaking of the Spirit in our life. We aren't ingesting the Spirit. We aren't ingesting the things of God in our life. That's why we must make room for the man of God. In closing, stand with me. I told you I wouldn't be very long. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33, and then the, the, uh, 10, 1 Corinthians 10 and 33 is the last verse of the chapter, and then I want to read the first verse of the next chapter. So 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. Um, it says, Just as I go 
just as I also please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. And in the first verse of the next chapter, it says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Paul was an apostle. He was a church planner. I've talked about it several times the last few weeks. Paul would go into an area where there was no church, and he would, he, he would build a church. He, he would find disciples. And, 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 and once that church was, uh, was self-sustaining, it was operating on itself, um, a person of that community had come to the full knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and was baptized in Jesus' name, spoken in tongues, uh, repented of their sins, just like you and I have done. One of, those, uh, one of those new believers would be the pastor, and Paul would go on. And so Paul was telling all these people, all these churches, imitate me. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. And I think, church family, it would be a good idea for us to imitate our pastor as our pastor imitates Christ. I know we all, we're all different. We all have different cultures. We all have different, um, we're of different race. We're of different nationality. We're of different, um, um, some of us came from the right side of the track. Some of us came from the wrong side of the track. Some of us are poor. Some of us are rich. Some of us just don't know what we are. We're just glad to be here. We all, there, uh, there's a lot of different walks of life in our church. So we don't have to, we don't have to dress like pastor. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to be, have the suit and the white shirt and the tie just like pastor. I'm not saying that. We, uh, we don't need to all look like, you know, like robots. I'm not saying that. But if our pastor feels it's important for him to do something in his spiritual life, it's probably a good idea for you and I to imitate that in our life. If pastor doesn't feel comfortable going somewhere, there might not be anything wrong with it, but man, if if my man of God don't want to go there, if it's not good for him, why do I want to go there? If pastor doesn't want to talk like this or dress like that or go to this place, why do I want to do that? If it's good enough for the man of God, it's probably good enough for me. I want to make room for the man of God in my life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 4, the Shunammite woman made a place for the man of God in her life. She not only received the desire of her heart, but it also created an, an avenue, an avenue for her to have a child that she had never had before, all because she made room in her life for the man of God. I can't tell you that you're going to get that house that you want just because you're obedient and submissive to our pastor. I, I, I can't say that. I, I can't say that. I wish I could, man, because I sure, I, I sure might be living somewhere else. I, I might be driving a Mercedes. I might be, you know, I, I, I might dress a little different. But what I can guarantee you, and I think we all here tonight realize and recognize that if we make room for the man of God and the message of the man of God, what he stands for, what he represents. We might not have the earthly home that we desire, but we will have the heavenly home. And I don't know about you, but that's a lot more important to me. 
streets of gold, a mansion in the sky, as much greater than my little white picket fence, my American dream. God did not die for our American dream. He did not die for our American political system. He did not die for our rights that we have as Americans, even though I'm thankful for all of that. I've traveled a lot of places, and man, we have it good. And I'm thankful for that. But God did not die for my lifestyle. He died for my soul. And more than my checking account flourishing, more than me looking like Barbie and Ken, and more than us being the picture-perfect family, I want my soul to reflect the Word of God. Amen.